1: Welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. And I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, as the deputy editor of milehighhuddle.com, Zach Kalberman. Zach, today is our traditional aftermath episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Yesterday, we worked out the hormones, emotional gut reaction to what was an embarrassing loss. How are you feeling one
3: day removed? And then we'll get to some of the news. I mean, how could you feel any better? I mean, I'm feeling at minimum about the same. Uh, The Broncos aren't going to make any coaching moves. They're not going to remove any responsibilities from the current coaching staff. Everything's remaining status quo. They're using the short week as a way, like you said yesterday, to justify keeping everything uh, like-minded for one more week. So I'm feeling pretty much the same. I mean it's an embarrassing loss it's contemptible it's disgraceful uh the broncos are frauds led by frauds completely and entirely everything i said yesterday still applies today the only thing is this that's different is that the cleveland browns the broncos next opponent are entirely beat up baker mayfield's hurt uh jok over there is hurt uh nick chubb and kareem hunter both hurt odell beckham is hurt so let's say the broncos win this upcoming game they go to four and three is suddenly the mistakes and the failures of the last three games, the losing streak, going to be forgotten about and kind of smoothed over? It shouldn't be. So it's, it might be more of fool's gold if the Broncos win the upcoming game. But there are fatal flaws with this organization, with the coaching staff, with some of the players on the field. There is a cancer, and it's
1: malignant. They're not going to win. I hate to I hate to rain on anyone's parade, but you know the Browns are banged up for sure. So are the Denver Broncos, man. And not only are they banged up, but they've given up the ghost. You know, they the biggest threat to the three and 0 start always was going to be hey, can you withstand the impulse at the first sign of adversity? Can you withstand the impulse, Zach, of giving into the here we go again kind of mindset, slumping your shoulders, eyes to the ground? tuning out your coaches and just going like, yeah, I guess this is who we were all along after all they, I mean, when Teddy, I don't know if it was Teddy going down Zach or what, if that was like the pivotal moment back in week four, but that's the biggest thing is the Broncos. Yes. We can sit and talk about the coaches, many problems, there, game planning, X's and O's effort, execution, all that stuff, Zach. But at the end of the day, the Broncos don't just have an identity crisis. They have a spiritual, uh, a spirituality crisis, for lack of a better term. And so, when you add that, I guess my point here, Zach, is when you add a spiritual crisis and a, a, a lack of spiritual constitution to what is an already banged up team. I mean, Alexander Johnson, for those of you who missed it, done for the season. So, the Broncos, six games in, are now without both their starting linebackers, uh, for the rest of the season. Garrett Bulls. He's 50 50 on whether he's going to be able to play Thursday night, Zach, with what is being called a lower leg. We could go on. There are more injuries here. I don't see it happening. Spiritual crisis
3: combined with what is a pretty physically beat up team. Well, I mean, God help the Broncos if the NFL found out Fangio's defense and the blueprints out to beat him, because it certainly seems that way when you face better quarterbacks than Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, you see what happens. Even Ben Roethlisberger looked like a quarterback reborn. That should never, ever happen. I mean, yesterday, a head coachless team walked into Denver and beat the crap out of them. I mean, it's it's more than just a crisis. It's a full-blown disaster. They've been trying to put lipstick on this pig for two years now, and the lipstick has come off. And the Broncos are revealing themselves to be dirty, dirty pigs. Invaluable. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick
1: should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football
3: is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because TickPick... That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, Tick Pick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price.
1: That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets. TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Yeah, you can't even console yourself with, hey, it's Miss Piggy. You know, it's just a pig. Base Gase, what's going on, brother? Appreciate you. He said, thoughts on the athletic article stating that Denver might be sellers at the deadline, especially if we lose to Cleveland. Von Miller, Kyle Fuller, Melvin Gordon. Peyton loves his draft picks. Yeah, that's very interesting. This is a, a topic that Zach and I are discussing even now, how we're going to cover it at milehuddle.com. But for now, Zach, what's your reply to the notion that if Denver drops to the Browns, it's a fire sale. It's, uh, hey, stack those uh, assets where you can right now because it immediately becomes <clears throat> about hedging for the future.
3: Well, I actually just published an article. I mean, it went live right before we went on here about uh, the Athletics' Mike Sando. The NFL, you know, muck over there. He said the Broncos could explore trading Von Miller to get precious capital for a future quarterback deal because they think the Broncos aren't going anywhere without a franchise quarterback. But then Sando asked an NFL evaluator, uh, you know, what's his opinion on that? And the evaluator predicted they're not going to trade anyone that Fangio values. Well, Peyton's not going to care who Fangio values because Fangio looked like he's about to be fired after this upcoming season. But who do you realistically have to sell besides Von Miller? That's your biggest trade chip. And what is he going to bring in realistically? A second-round pick? I don't see Von drawing a first-rounder, not with you know his age and uh, his injury history now. So Melvin Gordon for a fifth? That's not going to help you in a quarterback deal. I, some of the other players on the roster, they don't have much trade value. So it's to me, it's Von or nothing. And and that he has more value I think on the roster than off of it.
1: Yeah, Kyle Fuller after his demotion and just not playing well. I mean, he was benched in week 6. And obviously Ronald Darby, we were hopeful that if they did go uh, send uh, Ky- <clears throat> pardon me, Kyle Fuller to the bench that you know, Darby was going to be able to replicate what was a pretty solid first game before he suffered that hamstring, but man, Derek Carr went after him literally out of the gates. And by the way, on the subject of Derek Carr, never again, Zach, am I going to say word one bad about Derek Carr. The dude gets a lot of hate. And even at times on this podcast, I wouldn't say we've clowned him, but like we've been at times dismissive. Like when Drew Locke was still pretty fresh out of the box, you know, we were riding off that four and one start his rookie year. You know, we would say things like, yeah, you know, an upside, maybe, you know, as far as caliber of quarterback, Something like a Derek Carr and Broncos fans would be like, "Yo, that's not good enough." Well, dude, Derek Carr is good enough. That that dude, I'm sorry, man. Whether it's he saves his best games for the the matchups against the Broncos or what, but that dude is a quality quarterback. Is he an elite guy? Obviously not. But that dude, I don't think Zach gets enough, uh, you know, just
3: desserts for for what he does. I mean, I understand he's a rival, but I, I never got the Derek Carr hate. I mean, anytime he's been healthy, pretty much, and he's gotten decent offensive line protection, he's made plays. I think he is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's consistently a thorn in the Broncos' side. You saw it yesterday. It, it wasn't really Gruden that was holding that offense together. It was Derek Carr and his ability, and Henry Ruggs' breakout in his second year. It stings much more when Jerry Judy's on the shelf, and the Raiders' you know, second-year receiver is shining, but... It matters to quarterback play. Teddy doesn't have the same arm as Derek Carr. He can do things, Carr, that Teddy just can't. And the offensive game planning and the coordinating and the play calling is also much different. Brandon Harden, a.k.a.
1: Bama Broncos in the house. Appreciate you. He says, George Payton was forced with this coach start. Uh, Payton will pick more 2022 coaching staff. All right. yes the belief is, and it's, I don't think you need to really feel like you're subscribing to a conspiracy theory here. The belief was Vic Fangio was foisted upon a first year GM, George Payton. Uh, Zach, you know, fresh in the, uh, you know, the emotional aftermath of last night's ugly, ugly loss. It felt like, how could the Broncos do anything but fire some coaches? But, I think fans woke up this morning and they realized, hey, look, the Broncos, George Payton, even though he probably sees the writing on the wall that, Hey, better start going through my uh, head coach resumes here. I don't think they're, you're going to see Vic Fangio summarily dismissed
3: anytime before the bye week,
1: which is week 11.
3: Uh, but the point remains though, that you really can't saddle a first time rookie general manager with a, an incumbent lame duck head coach. It's one thing if Fangio had security, beyond 2021, but he was always coaching for his professional future in Denver this season. So I hope they learn that lesson. I, I'm with you. I don't think they fire him unless things really spiral because they don't have a, a head coach in waiting. Truly. I think Peyton is the patient type. He he plays the long game and I think he'll wait it out until after the season and then hopefully clean house.
1: Let's grab this super chat from Tony DA Dub. It's great to see you, bro. Thank you for the support. He says, Yes, coaching is horrible, but can we call out both the offensive and defensive lines? Both seem small and have been getting manhandled. I say this because I sat in the end zone, first row, and both lines looked small compared to the Raiders uh, and Ravens offensive lines. So not just playing small, right? He means like they seem undersized, Zach. I don't know about that. I don't know this. I don't think this is akin to like the, you know, 2 through 2008 Broncos offensive line where you had literal starting guards checking in at like 275 pounds like Ben Hamilton. But I'll say they've, they're playing small, both sides, Zach. And I don't know, Mike Purcell, he tips the scales somewhere, I want to say around 330 off the top of my head. Shelby Harris as a five tech, you know, he's pushing right around. He's like 290-something probably. And then Draymond, he is a little bit small, Zach, in terms of, you know, what a traditional 3-4 defensive end would be. But I don't think that's the problem here. I think the problem is just simply uh, X's and O's and the, co- and the players' hearts being somewhat disconnected from what the coaches are trying to do. Like, you, we talk about in football or in any team sport, Zach, how you got to be bought into the program, right? Like, and that's not just sports, man. That's like any profession – if you're working your way up the ladder or you're a leader and you're trying to rally the troops or whatever, it's, in, it's important. It's of the utmost importance that everyone is bought in on whatever that objective, whatever that goal is, whatever your core philosophy, or mission statement might be. Zach, it's pretty clear to me that the Broncos no longer are 100% bought in on Vic Fangio. And I think a lot of them, a lot of them, whether it's their specific position coaches or their respective coordinators, they are having some serious doubts about whether these are the right coaching horses to make the most
3: of what the talent is. You know, if it was just one player underperforming, it was just Reisner, let's say, and Shelby Harris, let's say, you can argue that it's the player. But when every single player on the roster is either underperforming or not meeting expectations, that falls on the coaching. I don't want to say too much about the physical size of them, them being small, but they are playing smaller, and they're playing under their potential. The only one, I mean, break it down. Who's standing out on the O-line right now, Chet? I mean, really name one mainstay. You can't do it. Garrett Bowles was that last year. He's kind of regressing. Dalton Reisner is still pretty bad. I if, if cushionberry is the one consistent mainstay, if he's your top performer after he got dragged last year then you know how bad the entire unit is playing look at the defensive line who is standing out there certainly not Shelby he kind of checked out after getting paid Uh, Mike Purcell I mean he makes some plays and run defense but Draymond Jones is the only one getting pressure not the sacks but pressure so it's the entire team it's almost every player is not doing what they're supposed to be doing and not achieving the stats they're supposed to be achieving that's once again I hate to keep saying the word but that's what it comes back to is coaching Real quick, let's do an
1: update here before we thank Travis and grab his comment here. Uh, in case you missed it, last night was very hot and heavy. I mean, it was. It might have been a record night, in just in terms of peak. View, well, maybe not in peak view or er, peak viewers. We were consistently at a thousand live viewers entire night following Broncos Raiders, and it was really really cool to see. And it was just an overwhelming outpouring of support from our community, both on Stars on Super Chat. We're going to go over the new super chat rankings here in just a minute, but let me update in case you missed it where we're at on this month's stars goal. All right. For those of you that are new to uh, to the show and there are a lot of you each and every day, we are trying to get to 250,000 stars on Facebook. When we reach the goal, we're going to raffle off a Pat Sertan jersey. And the only people who are in the running for that raffle are the people who contributed, the supporters who contributed to that goal. As you can see, we are 46% of the way to our goal. And we are now past the 50% mark of the month. So we got some ground to make up if we're going to hit, but let's look at who's in the running to have the most tickets in the hat for that drawing. When we get there, Randy Jones at the very top, followed by Josh Hoyle, Michael Ronquillo, uh, Mama Muti, Lawrence Rivera, Shane Daniels, Travis Weber, Pete Middleton, Andrew Lampy, and Gary Leeds Palmer round out the top 10. So that just gives you an idea of where things stand. And I'll update Uh, YouTube, but first, let me just grab Travis Tarbox. Thank you, buddy, for the stars. He says, I said this last week, Priest. This coaching staff has to go, regardless. I'm Denver Broncos for life. No fight in this team. Zach, I hate even like bringing this up, but it's you get to a point where I mean, there was only a thousand no shows at the game yesterday, right? This is we know about how the Broncos have sold out uh, every game dating back 30 plus years now. Even as you know, three and two losers of two in a row, maybe it was the Mike Shanahan uh, and Steve Atwater celebration at halftime drawing everybody in, but only a thousand no shows. And what they got to see obviously very disappointing for those 70 plus thousand fans that were in attendance. The only message I think that gets through to a team is when fans just start showing up, they stop paying for parking, they stop uh, buying the tickets, they stop, you know, buying the concessions, the gear, all that stuff. And Broncos fans, Zach, I think are just too passionate and dedicated and loyal to do that. They're still going to show up through thick and thin.
3: it's what's going on. I mean, Broncos country is the last of the concerns out there. You know, the fans are great. And I saw that firsthand at the Jets game chat. I mean, uh, even with some reservations about the team still, there was every seat filled in that stadium. Even yesterday was just noisy as hell. So Broncos fans are the greatest fans on the face of the earth. And that's why I feel bad. That they're forced, with their eyes open in some horror movie, like, forced to re-watch the same bad movie being replayed over and over and over again. We all know how it ends, but it's been the same thing for five years now. My heart goes out to Broncos country, and number one, I hope it's fixed for them soon and fast.
1: By the way, David, I'm going to grab your comment here in just a minute, so hang tight. Uh, But let me give you an update for our great Super Chat superstars. We are doing a similar deal on YouTube for our supporters over there. Top five finishers on Super Chat in the month of October. will uh, go into the hat, raffle off a passer tan jersey, but we're also doing it for the different tiers. We're going to uh, raffle off some specific MHH swag and some Broncos memorabilia to each tier. So everyone who is supporting us over there on YouTube, Zach is, uh, you know, they got, they, they're in the running. They got some skin in the game, but. Here's your new top five, all right? There has been a little bit of a power shift, and you can see by virtue of the arrows here illustrating who the risers are. The the new number one is Mark Langley, a.k.a. Mark from Georgia, a.k.a. Big Daddy Mark, followed by number two, the Duchess herself, Michaela Parker, the Queen right there at three, Seth Harmon at four, a riser new to the top five as far as right this moment, and then Naj Al-Taf at number five, And you can see who's just out of the top five, from Chris Hernandez to D-Dub, Brian Greenfield, Shane Daniels. But, Zach, what was really cool to see last night, and then, guys, we'll get right back to the content, was just how many new listeners are not only with us but contributing to the show, supporting the content to ensure that this continues uh, to show up every single night. I mean, look at all these newer names, Zach. Now, Burn the Guitarist, Alvin, got David, these guys are not new-new, all right? They've been with us a long time. But Erwin, newer name. DC, newer name. Kevin Peterson, been with us a while. Luis, he's been with us a while. Carla, Doug's been with us a while. Eric, been with us a while. But a lot of, so many new names that are chipping in. And we just got to say thanks to each and every one of you uh, for the support. You guys blow us away each and every day. All right, Zach, let's grab this from David Bingaman real quick. Loyal reader of all the articles. Loyal commenter. Loyal participant in these chats. He says, it irks me that so many pundits cram Teddy down our throats. Then he lays eggs when faced with real competition. Bench him, period. He's all fool's gold.
3: Your reaction, Zach? I mean, I don't want to say it explicitly, but I feel like it's one of those things where you had to accept Teddy because that was the popular narrative, and if you went against that by any means in any fashion, you were ostracized, you were taken down, you were silenced. So, again, if you were a lock supporter during the decision-making process and after it, uh, you were, you know, you were among the very, very uh, non-vocal minority. Uh, but... That's what happens, though, in the NFL. There's there's overreactions constantly. That's why when we were going over power rankings after week two or looking at stats after week one, week three, it was also immaterial because it painted a small picture of ultimately the masterpiece, hopefully, that was being laid in front of us, it didn't turn out that way. It, it turned out to be, like David said here, fool's gold. It was a tease. It was a mirage. Whatever word you want to use, you can beat up on bad teams, but when you completely fall apart, when you face a better opponent, not just once, not just twice, but three times in a row now, that's a consistent trend. That's a consistent problem, and it points to many factors in the organization. Um, the
1: chat is jumping, people. Oh, good. See, this is why Scott clutched. I was just going to say. I'm going to have to read Drew off the back end, but here he is. Drew Hollenbeck, legendary superstar. Love you, bro. He says, first Jewel, now AJ. Injuries happen, but it is frustrating. Great opportunity for Baron Browning if he can stay on the field, though. Yeah, and he's not going to be on the field this week. Dude's got a concussion from covering a kick yesterday. And if the game was on Sunday, he would have a chance to be available. Uh, because it's a Thursday night game this week, Zach, Baron Browning, that particular checker, is off the board. And so you're going from, you know, Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson to Justin Sternod, uh, Micah Kaiser is probably who's going to start next to him. Barrington Wade, I'm trying to remember the other dude's name. Curtis I mean, Robinson. Thank you. Curtis Robinson. It's looking pretty, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but we criticized it when they allowed uh, Williamson, Avery Williamson, to leave last week. Yeah. That veteran experience right now would be worth, I mean, it'd be priceless to be able to say, all right, you're new to the scheme, but hey, we just got to get you out there. We don't have a choice. And you've got a guy who's a, you know, whatever he was, eight-year veteran, I think. But Hunter tackle a a year guaranteed guy if he plays 16 would have been nice. Now the Broncos are going to have to try and uh, make some lemonade here, Zach. And I think teams, especially a team like the Browns, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. This is the number one rushing offense in the league. They're averaging 168 and a half yards per game going against a defense that, with Alexander Johnson in the lineup, all right was top five against uh, the run. But that is going to, I think, Zach, change pretty quickly now that he's out. You
3: got to expect the Browns are going to go after that early and often. Well, well Sternod went from being ILB 3, and which that was an iffy proposition to begin with, to being ILB 1. That, it's certainly not ideal for the Broncos. And how, I don't want to say coincidental, but it's strange that both Jewel and Johnson went down with the same injury. Yeah, I mean, torn pectoral, that's kind of, I, I can't remember the last time that happened to the same positional group. Um, they have to explore, I think, after this game. They, they have no choice to get by until this game. But afterward, you have to explore the free agent market. You have to maybe make a trade. You can't go forward with one snap away from Barrington Wade starting for you. I mean, that's the obvious weak link in the middle of the Broncos defense. And even if the Browns don't have Chubb or Kareem Hunt on Thursday, which is, you know, a possibility, they have a couple good tight ends. David and Joku included, and the Broncos, as we saw, they're still uh, adverse to covering tight ends completely. That's a guy that can stretch them down the seam, and like you said, best believe Kevin Stefanski is gonna go after that weakness. Michaela, the Duchess, love you. How you doing?
1: Keeping your chin up. This too shall pass. She says, "I heard there was a shouting match between the players and coaches in the locker room. Is it true?" Also, on the fan, I heard rumors about changes during the bye week. Thoughts? All right, here's here's what uh, I've heard, all right? Justin Simmons got into a, a little bit of a shouting match on the sideline in-game. I did hear uh, – I don't want to give specifics, but I did hear that there were some uh, raised voices in the locker room post game. So that's all real. You know, the cracks in the facade, if it wasn't evident, Zach, in the product on the field itself – I mean, just look at what you're seeing, quarterback throwing his his tablet, you know, Simmons, who's a high character, yes, sir, type of guy, right? Like even if he's a dissenting you know, uh, voice, he's going to do it behind closed doors, right? He's going to mind the pecking order. He's going to mind the public optics. When he's lost that uh, care to the world and he's going at it on the sideline, you know that something ain't right in Camelot. But what have you heard, Zach, about this? Uh, Changes coming during the bye?
3: I, I don't, I mean, a lot can still happen between now and then. I just, it would take a couple more catastrophic losses for Peyton to make that move and basically bail on his one year plan. I think a, um, a change that could be more plausible is not really head coach, but maybe an assistant like McMahon or Pat Shermer. Uh, But more to the point, though, about the shouting matches and the trust in the locker room, for anyone who read my story where there was a a scuffle in practice last week, Fangio called it a dust-up, and he was asked, though, point blank before that, how do you go about establishing and building trust in the locker room? And I wrote in that story, if you have to even answer that question, that doesn't bode well for you as a head coach or where things are going on that track. And you, you saw the cracks, but I think yesterday was a, a big dent in the facade. I, I, when you have players throwing tablets, and the most level-headed player there is, by the way, the most passive and docile and calm, collected, steady player was throwing his tablet. So what does that really tell you? You have Justin Simmons, who's a community leader, a fan favorite, a franchise bedrock, and he's apparently having words with the coaching staff during a game? It's all leading to one thing, and I I don't blame the players for quitting on the coaches if they did so yesterday, but in that walk-in touchdown, I saw arm tackles. I saw Ole go forth. We don't care. No resistance. That is when the team has given up on the coaching, but it might have preceded yesterday's game. You saw the breadcrumbs leading to it. You know, here's the thing.
1: Apathy is worse than anger. You, You can argue this, right? it's not the worst thing to see a guy on the sideline, pissed off, angry, screaming, hollering, because it shows what? It shows that he cares, right? Um, It shows when someone raises their voice, I had a mentor uh, tell me one time that when people raise their voice to you, what they're actually saying is take me seriously. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily apply in every single case, but what you want to guard against if you're Vic Fangio is the apathy. Players literally saying, I don't care anymore. And he said today that he thinks that everyone's still uh what what was the exact uh verb it's used? I think we got a high care team or something like that. I'll find it because it was kind of a curious uh uh remark here. But let's grab Phoenix. Appreciate you Phoenix another newer name that we don't recognize. So welcome, thank you. Connect on Twitter. It says uh axe uh Shermer, I'm not gonna say it might uh make Shula the O C. Uh, Donatel, DC, let's let seven save Denver again. Head coach is the manager and motivator, like Kendall Hinton. No harm to the reputation, if bad. Learn uh lean on the OC and DC. Seven, talking John LA, would bring accountability and fire. Get the new head coach whiz off in the offseason hashtag uh hashtag shake it up. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's what it's angling toward. But something tells me, Zach, Vic Fangio when the ship goes down, he's going down with it. Like, I don't think unless George Payton himself steps in and forces the hand, I don't think Fangio's going to fire anybody. The ship's going to sink,
3: and he's going to go down with it along with this entire crew. I mean, that question had everything. It had boobs, it had Elway, it had firings, <laughs> and that question took me on a journey, Chad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see Elway returning. I don't see him stepping back in. I think he's actually stepping out. He's had one foot out the door, I think, for quite a while now. And it's going to be up to Peyton. It's his baby. It's his—he has full autonomy to do what he wants. I just think he's going to play the long game and let Fangio dig his own grave. If you fire Fangio at, the, at you know, the bye week, let's say, you're still going to wonder maybe what could have been if they're still kind of vaguely in contention. But if you let this season play out and they finish a blow— 500 record, non-playoff record. Then Fangio far and away dug his own grave, and you have uh, plausible deniability to fire him.
1: Uh, Real quick, Michaela, uh, the changes that I've heard are being bandied about, before I forget this, is if Vic Fangio swallows his pride and sits Teddy down, that's when it would be. Uh, Josh Hoyle, thank you for the stars, bro. Throwing down uh, 1,500 stars, helping us get to goal, supporting the content, keeping the lights on here at MHH Central. Appreciate you, bro says a banged up Browns team is still going to beat a badly coached Denver team. And then we definitely need some change. If there is no change until the end of the year, they are definitely throwing the season for a good draft pick. Is that how you would interpret it, Zach? Or would you interpret it as George Payton saying, look, John and John Elway and Joe Ellis, you foisted Vic Fangio right. on me. You know, this is what you get. I've already got my resume. I've already got my list of resumes. You know, I got my short list of coordinate or uh, candidates I want to interview uh, uh, as soon as black the afternoon of Black Monday. But this is what you get, guys. This wasn't my call. I told you I was on board, and I would roll with it for year one if this is what you really wanted. But this is your baby. This is your bed.
3: So we're gonna lie in it. I'm not gonna use uh, the term high care because that's kind of comical. But I think George Payton is a high. Uh, quality, upstanding guy. I, I don't think he's going to purposely tank for a good draft pick or throw the season. He's going to let the dominoes fall where they may. For the same logic that you just used, Chad, I think he could say to Elway and Joe Ellis and everyone involved, this was your idea to keep Fangio around. You wanted to bring me aboard. I accepted that under those circumstances. But whatever happens on the field is not a reflection on me. That's all Vic Fangio. And if he doesn't cut it, he probably has an agreement. I'm going to bring in my own guys. And to uh, you said, uh, you guys are naive to think that he's not already scouring the NFL for potential head coaching candidates, interviews, lining those those uh, those assistants up now, those candidates up now, because it comes around fast. It's already mid-October, January. If the Broncos continue on their current path, it's going to be here very fast. And I think George Payton couldn't wait in that scenario to get Fangio out of the building.
1: Guys, if you hear me... Uh... Frog in my throat, clear my throat. I am a little bit under the weather today, so apologies. Sam Bam, what's good, bud? Good to see you. Love the T-shirt and the profile pic, if I must say. He says, uh, what's up, Broncos country? I think it's time to embrace the inevitable and realize that it's likely that a full-on rebuild is likely to happen, but it might be best for the Broncos long-term. Shermer sucks. Go Broncos and go Braves. Not the first superstar, Zach, who's had to – emotionally lean on a baseball team because the Broncos are selling them short. But your thoughts to the idea
3: of a rebuild not necessarily being the worst thing. I mean, I it's, it's funny that you say that, Sam Bam. In my article that I wrote about Von Miller, I called it an impending rebuild. And I agree with you, though, the word you use, which is inevitable, because that's what it is. They've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off for the longest time now. They kind of try to do it in 2019 when they – drafted a young quarterback instead of placing a Band-Aid and holdover at the position, but then they went right back to their old ways and bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, retaining Fangio, retaining Pat Shermer. It's time to go out with the old and bring in the new, the new age, the young minds, the innovative minds. If that means kind of being a roller coaster for one year while things settle down, so be it. I would think George Payton would sacrifice one year to get five years of a winning product. And I think Broncos country should be on board with that. We've got Kathy Lund. I
1: see the queen. We already have, of course, Michaela. And I see a huge one for Michaela. We've got the ladies of the MHH community showing out in force, flexing. Love you. Appreciate you, gals. Kathy says, been a Bronco fan since I was in diapers. Never been more disillusioned. The injuries plus the poor coaching and lack of leadership is just gross. Please tell me I'm wrong. Zach, I mean... How can you? It's a it's a nearly unprecedented um, period of dwelling in the doldrums for this franchise. I mean, you can go back to the '60s when this team was still, you know, in the AFL and sucking it up as a pretty
0: getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today; it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates.
2: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a born or girl. Not anymore.
1: But, like, for most Broncos fans, uh, watching the games and rooting along today, they weren't either alive or they were too young to remember those days or the games weren't televised, it's not fresh in the mind. So this is definitely, for the vast majority, the vast swath of Broncos country, these are the darkest days. So, no, Kathy, I do not say you're wrong for feeling as disillusioned and the most disillusioned that you've ever been.
3: I think the last five years could be categorized as the darkest days, but these are the darkest hours you can make the case in the darkest days of recent Broncos history or maybe even overall Broncos history. When you're comparing Vic Fangio in the same breath as the worst head coaches in Broncos history, Josh McDaniels, Vance Joseph, the worst times in Broncos history, that gives you a barometer as to where we're at. And I think more of the disillusion comes, especially from this year, because the Broncos roster is so loaded when you think about it. With young players, with veteran star talent across the board, uh, they got a quarterback that brought temporary excitement to Broncos country, and they started 3-0. and And you had the feeling in the back of your mind, even though the PTSD was setting in, you know, kind of you had the thought that maybe it's different this year. Maybe they're going to turn it around. Maybe they're going to get back to relevancy and get back to the postseason where they belong. But they came crashing back down to earth. And it's, again, a realization of where the Broncos are. If you have a map of the Broncos franchise, it dropped a pin right there. And it's not where the Broncos want to be, nor the fan base. It's because in the pivotal moments,
1: they continue to make bad decisions, right? Their, Their motivations for the decisions, like listen, Teddy, really impressive those first three games, but we're seeing basically the guy who we thought he was these last three games. And, you know, that was a decision that was made strictly in the interest of ass-covering, saving jobs, Vic Fangio. And I'm, you know, Drew Locke, for all we know, he'd have the team at 0-6. I'm not necessarily saying Drew, hey, if they would have just ran with Drew, the Broncos would be 6-0. and 0. That's not what I'm saying, but when you sell out for the short term, when you, when you don't have the big picture in mind per se, the wheel of karma is going to crush you, dude, whether you're an individual or you're a team or you're a collective. And that's what's happening right now. The wheel of karma is crushing the Denver Broncos, the queen jumping in. Love you, Christy. Hope you're doing well. She says, so many factors to discuss, so many options to ponder. Thank you, my guys, for bringing us the content we all desire Heads up, Broncos country. Thank you so much, Christy.
3: Appreciate you being here every single night. And being the beacon of hope for Broncos country. I mean, if if you guys want to be optimistic and and see your glasses half full, there's still a lot of season left to go. And and maybe at some point the light bulb will flip on, but I don't blame any Broncos fan right now that's down in the dumps and and really reflecting on what's gone wrong after 3-0. 3-0 feels like three lifetimes ago, Chad.
1: Yes, it does, man. It does. And, you know, I, I hate bringing up Patrick Mahomes, right? Especially in low moments like this. But what he said after his big win on Sunday was that losing, you know, he got from two and three to three and three. Losing is the worst feeling in the world, which it is, man. And I don't care if you're doing it on a professional level, if it's, uh, you know, watching your kids play, if it's at a job, if it's at school, whatever, man. When you lose, it is. I'll say one of the worst feelings in the world, no doubt. And that's what Broncos Country's feeling right now. Uh, the Dutch is jumping in with blowing all my hair off. Look, I had long flowing locks and it just got blown off. Look at this. Love you. She says, uh, hashtag wants her spot back. Hashtag hyper competitive. Hey, you're the bomb. You are the bomb. And she even came out. She couldn't stay for the games act, but she came out to the meet and great, hung out with us for a good long while. You know, we kept her probably a little longer than she initially anticipated, but Michaela, MHH Hall of Famer.
3: Thank you so much, Michaela. As always. Thank you.
1: Uh, Kayaka, also Hall of Famer, who we got to kick it with. Appreciate the super chat, bro. He says, I'm more pissed and disappointed today than I was yesterday. So that's like the topic off at, at the top of the show, Zach. Here's how we felt yesterday. How are you feeling today? He's more pissed and disappointed than he was yesterday. And he says, changes with the staff must occur come next Monday. Won't happen on a short week, unfortunately. Yeah, that was the thing, you know, the, the – just t- – you want to talk about despair, that feeling is – and helplessness. Heads needed to roll. Changes needed to come. But we knew, even as we were saying it last night, it's not going to happen this week. If it, Even if it happens before the buy it sure
3: as heck ain't going to happen
1: this week because the Broncos have that short turnaround.
3: I just kind of feel like, though, unless you fire Vic Fangio and kind of chop the the, the snake off the head off the snake here, how much can really change with the Broncos as they're currently constructed? With Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, they might make a superficial change like getting rid of McMahon or another assistant, but I just think when you have the mentality – uh, like you show in practice, even Justin Simmons remarked on that, that we have to have more intensity in practice. And I don't want to go back to the VJ days where they celebrate that, but yeah. it's just another indication that it's not where it should be. And then you have the head coach on the sideline who's literally folding his arms 90% of the time, even when he should be angry. Rich Basaccia looked like a 10-year veteran that was holding it down, the head coach, compared to uh, Vic Fangio, who was wasting challenge flags so I, I think until that changes, ultimately nothing really will change in Denver. You looked like the smartest guy in the stadium. Shane,
1: appreciate the stars, bro. He says, if we lose this next game against the banged up Browns, we need a culture change in coaching. I would then like to see what we've got in lock. See if our coaches screwed up the quarterback decisions. Yeah, I think, you know, as we kind of theorized last night, af- immediately after the game, that it's hard to see Vic Fangio swallowing his pride at any point with a healthy t- Teddy, relatively speaking, and going to Drew. Like the feeling is, goodness gracious,
3: <laughs> that's why she's the queen, Chad. Leave the feeling speechless.
1: Is, well, let, let, let me just finish this thought for Shane here. Uh, man, that just blows. That just blows my mind. Um, but the feeling is, if. The only the only way Locke sees the field again is Teddy's hurt or Vic's gone. Now maybe we're wrong on that. Maybe Vic is a you know, bigger man in terms of like, hey, he he can see that the team needs some kind of a change, some kind of a spark, and he makes that change. But Zach, if that happens organically, I don't think it's going to happen until the bye.
3: And I don't think we see Locke unless Fangio gets fired because that would be, I said this yesterday, but that would be the ultimate admission, and he would have egg on his face that he could never scrape off if he came groveling back, you know, hat in hand, to the young quarterback that he benched in favor of the journeyman. So, I mean, again, you can see a change maybe after the Cleveland game, maybe during the bye week, but I think ultimately you're not going to see a widespread culture change until George Payton gets his guy in the building. His guy is not Vic Fangio.
1: The Queen jumping in, top rope. I mean, for real, top rope. That's a huge, huge show of support to, to uh, us. And golly, now we got Mark jumping in, too. <laughs> Holy smokes, y'all. The Queen, she says, and thank you so much, Christy. I mean, what more can we say other than we love you? This, level, this is the support that allows us to keep bringing this content. So even people out there that aren't maybe in a position to throw down supers or stars or whatever... Hey, when you see other people being able to do it, it's a ride on because it literally pays for this party on the on the live podcast side. So thank you, Christy. She says, let's all rally for a win on Thursday. Tough to be positive right now. Losing to the Raiders is like a Vegas hangover. I just pictured uh, uh, Zach. What's what's his name in the what's his name in the movie? Allen. Uh, Allen. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just pictured Alan coming down the escalator. All right. He, but she says, uh, times will get better, kids. Thank you. We need that dose of optimism. It's it's a little too dark, and
3: understandably. Christy, I, I, this is why you're the queen. I, I, seriously, thank you so, so much. You are the greatest. We love you. I love you. Thank you so much, Christy. The queen. Wolfpack. Hashtag yeah. Wolfpack. We're not trying to keep – we're not, we're not really trying
1: to create a hashtag on that because, you know, so many college teams are Wolfpack, but – Mark, dude, two nights in a row, top rope. I mean, you're Macho Man Randy Savage right now, from the top rope, elbow. Boom. Seriously, thank you, bro. Love you. Appreciate you. I'm looking here. Um, he also said uh, earlier, where'd it go? He said, what's up, my guys? AJ's out for the year. At the same time, we sucked. <laughs> At the same time, we sucked. Hashtag Huddle pod, MHH Football Pod, Priest. Love you, Mark. Hope you're doing well, bro. Keep your chin up. Love the swag. Looking good. Um, Give our best to Penny. You the man. Mark,
3: Mark, you are a lord, man. We appreciate you. Beyond words, your generosity is unbelievable. Thank you so much, Mark. Lord Mark from Georgia.
1: King of the castle. All right. um, We are at 42 minutes. Um, Let me rapid fire, Zach, because we have a lot of supers stacked up. A lot of topics still on the minds of our listeners and community uh, that we want to get to starting with Fernando. Good to see you, Fernando. Thank you for the super chat, bro. He says, could we see a prominent name on the trade block soon? So we uh, jumped on this right at the top of the show. Zach has an article live right now, at milehuddle.com. I would suggest that you go read it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's possible the Broncos could explore moving some of their bigger named assets if they truly think you know the season is lost Von miller obviously is the guy that comes to mind and not just because he's the most famous player on the team but because he's in a contract year and he's in his age 32 season so zach for those that might not have been with us right at the top of the show what do you see as
3: probability of that happening i i think it's a very small possibility that the broncos move miller because again you can clear some cap space but what are you realistically going to get back? And, and are you going to get better with him off the roster? What is, I, I mean, I'd have to know George Payton's intentions, but apparently according to the athletic and one NFL evaluator, it depends on Fangio's relationship with Von Miller. It depends on how much he values Von Miller. They're not going to subtract players that Fangio values. Their relationship started off kind of rocky Fangio's and Miller's, but he is still the sack leader right now. He's pretty much the only player on defense that's worth its salt. Four and a half sacks in six games. So I really don't see it happening. I don't see the Broncos moving on from Miller in a, in a midseason trade like that. Can you imagine this defense right now without
1: Vaughn Miller? I mean, talk about the cliff of despair. I mean, a couple other names to consider. Kyle Fuller, but he doesn't have value anymore. Uh, Melvin Gordon. If you wanted to trade Cortland Sutton, but you'd be a complete imbecile to even contemplate it. If you had a healthy Jerry Judy, you could look at Tim Patrick. Um, so there's a lot of ifs and buts, which if they were candy and nuts, Zach, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. That's right. Dennis Woods, you the man, brother, up in Michigan. He says, did you notice Sutton, after the last interception, very little to no effort to turn and chase the guy. Hard to blame him, but the optics of giving up is bad. Yeah, and that's what we're saying here, Dennis, is it's a spiritual crisis. The Broncos are in the throes of a spiritual surrender, and that spells death for your season. So the only way to cure that is to win. And the only way to win is you need the coaches to get these guys back on board, man, one way or another. And I look, I'm not a rocket scientist, Zach. I'm not a professional football coach. Um, but as a as a leader and as a as a person that's managed people most of my adult life, I can tell you that, you know, in times like this get tough. You as a leader, you have to go to the well, and sometimes you really have to dig deep, and get creative and innovative and figure out how to reach your people. And I just don't know that Vic Fangio is that kind of a
3: visionary guy. Is that? I don't even think he's a defensive visionary, let alone a head coaching visionary. I don't think his defense is all that good. I think he's a little overrated as a play caller, as a schemer, and I think the NFL passed him by. And the same exact thing can apply to Pat Shermer. So it's just really not a good pairing when you're not innovative on any level of your coaching staff. And in fact, your coaching is your biggest detriment right now. It's losing you games, literally.
1: Naj, now this one cuts off, so I'm going to read it from uh, the back end. Good to see you, bro. Thank you for that very, very top rope generous super chat, bro. He says, um, I got to find it on the. There he is. Hey, brothers, this one hurt bad. I'm still feeling it. Sofangio, again call out players today, namely Simmons. The defensive line is one of the worst in the league at creating pressure. And what's going on with the O line? Is Shermer gone come Friday? I really don't think so. I think, Zach, even if the Broncos suck it up again offensively, I mean, best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And while that's not an absolute, things do change. People can change. Situations can shift and evolve. Is there any reason to believe suddenly this offense is going to show up in Cleveland and Look, even anything remotely similar to what it was week one, week two, or week three. I mean, I just don't see it happening, man. After all, this was a team that finished plus 500 so last year. So, you know, that guarantees Broncos, you know, going to play
3: down. Why should we believe it's going to change? I mean, asking the Broncos rhetorically, give us one reason why we should believe it's going to be anything different on Thursday. And the Cleveland defense... I, it's scary if Max Crosby can do that to the Broncos offensive line and the tackles. What is Jadevian Clowney and freaking Miles Garrett going to do to the, the, the Broncos offensive line? That's a scary thought. They might catch a break with J.O.K. being out, but that Cleveland defense on every level is uh, a threat to what the Broncos are doing right now. And we would have more confidence in that if you had a schemer that can minimize the, the potent Cleveland defensive weapons, but you don't have that. Confidence is at an all-time low. The trust, I think, in the players and the coaching staff, that relationship hit rock bottom. It's a short week. They're on the road in a primetime game. They never really play well in primetime. It has all the makings of a disaster, truthfully.
1: Randy, hey, buddy, thank you for the stars, 2,500 stars. By the way, I looked into it. It was my fault, the hat miscue. That was my fault. See, what Randy uh, got a hat for his contributions last month, came up short in the random drawing for the jersey. But for a few of those guys, we sent out some some swag. And when I asked him, he said, yeah, give me the dad hat. He wanted the MHH dad hat, Zach. And then amongst all my hustle and bustle of sending stuff out, I botched that. I sent him the very hat you're wearing now, and he pointed that out. So I'll, I'll just tell you this, Randy. I'll make it up to you. Trust on that, okay? He says, it would be painful to the fans to keep the coaches all year. George Payton will clean house at the end of the season. Vic and Pat are gone. After Cleveland, I don't know, man. I, I, I just I don't see it, dude. I, I, in many ways, wish for it to happen. But I just don't think George Payton. It's too early, you know. If if you feel like you still have a, sh- a shot at the playoffs, or you're in the dance anyway, or in the conversation, which they are right now, you know, for technically speaking. They're three and three. They're in the conversation for wild card. They're in the conversation for the AFC West, sure. technically speaking. So, as a as a first year GM, you know you might see the writing on the wall, but at the same time, you don't want to jump the shark. Or you, let me put it this way: you want to beware of doing something that speaks to the inexperience you hold and jump the shark and fire a coach too early in the season when you still might have been able to close some of that gap. Not saying that that's going to happen, but. This is the psychology, I think, Zach. That's going to ultimately govern what we see in Denver here for the next
3: month. You know, I have never played poker with George Payton, but I don't. He has not strike me to be an impulsive guy, very reactionary guy. Even if they lose against the Browns on Thursday, they're three and four. They lost four straight games. But like you mentioned, the, the Chargers right now are four and two. The Chiefs are three and three. If you want to be technical and literal, like Chad said, they're still in the conversation for the AFC West. I, I just He's going to give, I think, the coaching staff the entire year and then go from there. Things could change, but they're still only three and three right now. And I think George Payton, like you said, Chad, is leaning on that fact. We got Christian
1: in the house. Thank you, bro, for the super chat. He says, On a positive note, with all the Browns' injuries and possible uh, case Keenum, we could win. And with the Washington football team at home next week, we could be five and three. Still doesn't make up for Fangio sucking and then he goes on to say that he will be in Cleveland um, for Thursday night football. Can't wait. Hey dude, good for you, bro. You get to go see uh, this team. Hopefully they pull out a win for you. You know, I don't, 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 you know,
3: count on it, but hopefully they do. If Case Keenum draws the start and he beats the Broncos I I think that alone should be enough for Peyton to get rid of everyone in clean house, because that would be the ultimate embarrassment on a primetime stage. No less. I do think Baker will play and considering the glut of Brown's injuries, I think the Broncos will have a chance, but it's not going to be easy by any means. They can easily fall to uh, three and four after this, after this week,
1: Mark, bro, bro. I mean, you just, you just continue to uh, blow our minds. I told Mark, Zach uh, and his wife that, Hey, cause they couldn't make it to the meet and greet this, uh, this year. And we had multiple people from all over the world, man. I mean, dozens of people from all over the country, different parts of the world, descending on Denver for the MHH meet and greet to come say hi. And, you know, even like Ron, Ron traveled, Ron Dub traveled from Georgia to come hang out. Mark couldn't make it work. Things like that. I told him, Hey dude, next year, you and Penny hopping on a plane. You're going to be at the meet and greet on us gonna happen he says as always go broncos ain't that right zach chad zach my guys we all appreciate everything that you guys do thank you brother and he's he's trying to keep the hashtag Wolfpack thing alive hopefully people don't misinterpret that all right we're we're, we're talking you know we're talking about alan here from from the hangover all right love you mark yeah i don't want to be doug
3: uh the Wolfpack's okay with me as long as i'm not doug
1: i would be cool with being this doug though doug <sighs> Ra- Ra- Raquel. now this is a quality cat you demand he says would you draft up a pardon would you draft to upgrade the offensive line and the defensive line and begin there um yeah i mean you, yes but first things first i still think there's even if drew doesn't get to play again this year i still think that's untapped potential that is gonna ultimately go to waste and it will go to waste because when the the, the house gets cleaned all right and the floors are scrubbed and all that uh that new coach and the GM are going to want their own guy that they handpicked. That guy's probably going to come from next year's NFL draft, Zach. So that's the focus. But, yes, you need to continually keep adding wood to the fire. These, these horses aren't getting it done. The Graham Glasgow uh, signing is blown up in Denver's face. When he's on the field, he's not giving you anything other than replaceable level uh, play, and he's an $11 million a year guy. Dalton Reisner, who we admire and respect in many ways, Just ain't cutting the mustard, man. And he continues to show signs of regression. Garrett Bowles is looking like last year was the quintessential, um, you know, contract year flash in the pan. Thank you for the money. Back to business as usual. Lloyd Cushenberry might still be able to be something. Like, you know, he's he's gone up, he's gone down. He's gone up, he's gone down. Like he wasn't the main problem yesterday, I'll tell you that, right? And then the the right tackle, that needs to be solved. Bobby Massey playing at a replacement level so far this year. Um, but you've got Quinn Miners, and you've got Natani Muti, both of whom have some upside. So the biggest concern here, Zach, is, yeah, but you've got Mike Munchak. If Mike Munchak can't cut the mustard,
3: who's going to? Like, what the heck is going on here? Well, is, is the reverence around Mike Munchak still what it was You know, at the second half of last year when Garrett Bowles seemed to turn a corner? Because now Garrett Bowles is falling apart. Dalton Reisman fell apart after 2019. Glasgow, you mentioned. Massey's now kind of falling apart and showing why Chicago got rid of him. I disagree with the defensive line because... You paid Shelby Harris, you paid Mike Purcell, and Draymond Jones is going to be your star of the future. You're going to have to pay him. So you have three stars already established in place. I wouldn't put a premium there, but I would put a premium on the O-line, especially at right tackle. It's like quarterback for them. You can't keep uh, substituting veteran players and one-year holdovers. You have to do it right and draft your tackle of the future. The Juwan Jameses and the Bobby Masseys and the Flemings and the Stevensons and the Menelik Watsons, Enough of that. Draft the right tackle of the future, preferably as high as you can, but not as high as the quarterback that Peyton's going to procure in next April. Excellent
1: word selection. Procure. Stu Meat jumping in with a super sticker. The hippo, the acid hippo, he's on his back because he is R-E-K-T. He's wrecked. Stewart, <laughs> appreciate you. Or, or Stew it's Meat, it. appreciate you, bro. It's all hey, the acid please. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. At 55 minutes, Zach, um, Michaela says Mark is the MHH King. Yeah, he's, he's King of the castle. Absolutely. We love King Mark. Uh, Zach, I'm going to, we got to seriously do rapid, rapid fire here. Okay. Cause we don't leave anyone out in the cold. So here's Nathan. Uh, he says, good. E-, and thank you for the super chat, Nathan. Good evening, everyone. What has been more disappointing Elway's quarterback
3: picks or the coaching hires? Zach. I've said this before, I think the biggest mistake of the Elway tenure wasn't necessarily the quarterbacks, it was the coaches that were hired to coach the quarterbacks. The biggest mistake Elway made when he pivoted away from the Kubiak era, when you have a chance to hire Kyle Shanahan – and you go with Vance Joseph over him, I mean, that's the biggest mistake right there. Then you double down after that, and you hire a defensive, an older defensive mind than Vic Fangio. If you would have hired a younger, brighter mind, a younger, offensive-minded guy, you would have gotten better play from your quarterbacks and your offense. That could have covered for a lot of it. So yeah, far and away, the, the coaching hires have been more disappointing and more impactful. And frankly, none of the candidates that the Broncos interviewed
1: in that cycle were very interesting. I mean, Brian Flores, yeah, he's a Belichick disciple, not an offensive guru. Zach Taylor, I mean, he's he was a quarterbacks coach for Sean McVay. Maybe he turns out to be something, but I, I take him over Fangio right now. I know that maybe. But there were a lot of other candidates out there that the Broncos just decided not to bring in, or maybe we're told we're not interested. Who knows? But all right, here we go. Isaiah eleven twenty seven. You demand. He says, death by inches, more like death by coaches. I was in a funk all day, and then knowing that we've got to see this again on a short week, stay up, Broncos country. I feel your pain, brother. I really do. And then he says, uh, with Johnson and Jewel done, what's next? I think you'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Get get the tiling already, all right? Um, I think uh, on a short week, I'd I'd be surprised if you see him make too many Or, you know, that whatever they see as the permanent solution for the short term, anyway, I should say a short term solution like signing somebody or trading for somebody. I don't think that comes till after this game. So this week, you're going to see Micah Kaiser and
3: uh, Justin Sternod. That's what comes next, at least for week seven, Zach. I mean, did anyone think that that would be the starting inside linebacker combo less than halfway into the season? That's a a big problem area for the Broncos defense. Yeah, but being on the short week, they're pretty much stuck right now. Even if you pick up someone tomorrow morning, he's not going to learn the playbook in time to contribute to the Broncos on Thursday. So they're pretty much stuck with either Curtis Robinson or Barrington Wade. Something called those things being one snap away from starting in the middle of the
1: Broncos defense. Something called those things. This is, this is where we are. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I found a solution, Zach. Joshua Johnson, thank you, bro. He says, if Fangio's tenure in Denver, in Fangio's ten, uh, tenure in Denver, he has only beaten three teams with a winning record to end the year. 44.7% of our offense comes in the fourth quarter of the last three weeks. Yeah, they call that garbage time, JJ. They call that garbage time, my brother. And that's how you know that, you know, something's rotten. Up in the press box, or not the press box, but up in the booth, all right? Up in the up in the sky where Pat Shermer's hanging his hat. Time to time to shift that. Give Mike Shula a chance. This is why, Zach. It's like, come on, Vic. I get it. You really pushed for Pat Shermer. You fired Rich Scangarello in order to land Pat, but it didn't work, and your team is suffering. And you have a guy who is just as, if not more so, accomplished as an NFL play caller on the staff that could step in and knows the playbook has called plays out of this playbook in Mike Shula. Muhammad, by the way, bro, we love you too. Appreciate that super chat. But Zach, that's what's so frustrating. There's, there's options on this on this very coaching staff. And even if you didn't want to go to Mike Shula, Mike Munchak.
3: All right? I would much rather Mike Shula, but Mike Munchak. I, I do have to give credit to Fangio for one thing. He... Kind of, I would say, called out Shermer. he called the Broncos, in other words, you know, garbage time, hollow yards, and they're not yeah. good enough. and And I think that was the least that Fangio can say, but that's basically what it is. And that's uh why things are inflated, and you you have to watch the games to get the full context, completely. J,J, fist bump,
1: right back at you, my friend. Really appreciate that. Um, all right, we're about out of time here, so we got a really rapid fire. Uh, we grabbed Dennis. We grabbed Naj, Mark, Brandon again. Brandon says, uh, do you uh, think that the Broncos will look a l- uh, Oh, look at linebackers and free agency? Who is worth bringing in for linebacker or outside linebacker? You know, Zach, maybe that's something um, since we don't have time to really pull up, uh, since we don't really have time to pull up like spot track and go through all the different free agent options right now, maybe we should put that. We can tell the Broncos for breakfast guys to crush that topic in the morning on Tuesday. Cause we're about out of time, but there's no one off the top of my head chilling out
3: there. Uh, but I haven't looked at it yet. Well, outside linebacker, I think Whitney merciless was just cut today. So that could be an option. If Fangio wants to go the veteran route, um, You do have Chubb coming back, though, eventually. So I don't know if he's going to bring someone in. But, you know, uh, Baron Browning being out, they're going to work. They were working him at OLB and ILB. So they have some depth issues. I thought Jonathan Cooper would kind of capitalize on his preseason and be more impactful. That hasn't happened. So maybe they scour the market. But Merciless is one guy that's out there.
1: Something to definitely keep an eye on. All right. Here we've got uh, a super chat from Bryce Mindset. Really enjoyed having you participating in these conversations, Bryce, as a newer uh, member of our community, and thank you for the support. He wants to know thoughts on Desmond Ritter. I like him a lot. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like I know everything there is to know about Desmond Ritter. He is an intriguing young quarterback, um, Cincinnati Bearcats. Someone to keep an eye on. We'll see how the rest of the college football season matriculates and and how things go. But I would definitely, as all things draft, I would – Talk to Scott, Nick, tomorrow morning. Talk to the Building the Broncos guys. Talk to Dove Valley deep divers. Zach and I are more focused Mm -hmm. on covering all the news happening right now in your Denver Broncos. We don't have as much time to uh, spend spend on college and, and scouting the NFL draft as we would like.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a crapshoot, this this upcoming quarterback class. I, I think Malik Willis is drawing a lot of headlines. You have Spencer Rattler as well. Regardless, though, any one you take next next April, you're going to have to pair that quarterback with elite, top-level coaching. So if you hand him to someone like Pat Shermer, you wasted a first-round pick. But if you have Kellen Moore in the building, let's say, or Greg Roman or Brian Dayball, uh, you can make some hay with that quarterback, whether it's Ritter or Rattler or anybody else.
1: All right, guys, last super chat of the night from Luis. Appreciate you, brother. He says, deja vu. Feels like the times when we were all shouting, hey, let's see Tebow. Let's see what Tebow can do. But it was Orton, the safe choice. Hopefully history repeats with Locke. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is the Broncos, it's like we talk about the wheel of karma, all right? A sacrifice has to be made because the Broncos have transgressed. In 2011, it was Kyle Orton was that sacrifice. And, you know, the wheel of karma turned Denver's way. Who's going to be that scapegoat? Who's going to be that sacrificial lamb this time around? Maybe it's Teddy. It should be Pat Shermer, if we're being honest. But I think it's only a a short matter of time, Zach, before Broncos fans who are pining to see what might still be there for Drew get their wish.
3: I mean, some of us are hoping that we can see Locke given an opportunity one more time just to, you know, for for S's and giggles if if Teddy Bridgewater is not cutting it. But I just think as long as Fangio's there and he has the power, he's going to do everything he can to keep Bridgewater on the field and not have to eat that amount of crow as it would take to turn back to Drew Locke. Some serious props before we get out of here
1: to our star supporters on Facebook. Another very busy night. So many comments and super chats and, and questions and topics and whatnot that we, in a perfect world, aren't able to spend as much time with everyone as we would like. But Randy, Doug, Josh, this is how the, the board shook out tonight in terms of the leaders on STARS. Thank uh, each and every one of you. We are so grateful. Shane Daniels, Andrew Lampy, Claude Riley, Michael Ronquillo, Travis Tarbox, Mike Reno, Colby C. Collier. And by the way, Mike Reno, are we friends on Facebook now? I think we, you DM'd me or something. Uh, Colby C. Collier, Tim Hoffman, Lawrence Rivera, David Wilder and D'Angeles Jones. By the way, am I saying your your name right, Mr. Jones? Is it D'Angeles? Very cool. I'm actually jealous of that name. That was one of the things, Zach, when I was a little kid, I hated my name. For some reason, I was like, you know, in 1985, Chad Jensen standing up in the back seat of my mother's car because I never wore, you know, seatbelt and car seats didn't exist that I ever saw in 1985. I'm like, Mom, I want a new name. And she's like, well, what, what name? And I said, I don't know, Mike. So like, nah, ain't going to happen. But if I had DeAngelis, DeAngelis, yeah, dude, I, I think that would help my – that would give me more juice. Either way, guys, love you. Thank you. Zach, if you wouldn't mind. Yep. Doing the rundown, matters of business, telling people how they can connect with this. Don't forget Broncos for breakfast. On the bright, tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time,
3: Uh, and Zach will do his thing. Yes, guys. Until we see you guys next, which is Wednesday night at six o'clock Mountain, eight o'clock Eastern. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at HuddlePod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a hat, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a coffee cup. Anything and anything you want is in that store. Also, Facebook.com slash huddle. Hit that big blue button for KK, uh, Trickle Zone, and broccoli's Book Club every single week. We appreciate your viewership. Also, Facebook.com slash pod Like that page. Follow that page. And also, be sure to go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, we understand. Just do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. But that's it. That's going to do it. Love you guys. Thank you so
1: much. Appreciate you being with us.
3: As always, go Broncos.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
0: Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates.
2: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born or, born or girl. Not anymore.